Friday chat with Blue. This week we are with the infamous OK Calix. <laughs> He's uh, been so kind to take time out of his busy schedule to join us this Friday to nerd out about some natural farming stuff and tell us a little bit about himself and what he's got going on and all kinds of good stuff. So, uh, welcome, man. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> I've been greeting all through the Discord chat. I really like I really like this Discord. I, I'm on a bunch of them, but this one really gets into i'm just gonna i'm sorry i just started talking here but i going off on the imo imo one two three four five all kinds of great stuff you all talk about in those things i've learned a ton um i feel like the majority leans k and f and the minority leans jadam maybe uh in discord that's just a guess am i right or wrong boom yeah so um <laughs> I, i'm a, a k and f instructor um, I've not uh, done a whole lot of Jadam, but it is something that I do utilize and it is, uh, I see, you know, equally as much value in that system as other, other methods of farming, you know, so kind right. of a, a one-stop shop, if you will, for people to discuss and learn and we're all shooting for the same target. You know what I mean? So. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I started KNF, uh, or started doing kind of KNF was the first route I went. And then later, I started learning about Jadam. So I don't, I don't know as much about KNF as, uh, as I do about Jadam. So that's where I am. Right on. So let's, let's take it back for a minute. Won't you uh, tell us how you were introduced or got interested in the natural farming? What were you doing before? What led up to that point? Sure. So, um, so my, my family owned a fruit market in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. And... As a kid, you know, we would always be get to go out to the farm and look and go through the fruit market. I just, you know, the smell of the fruit market's always in my head. But my father and mother always had a big garden at the home. <clears throat> and um, we moved from Tahlequah to another town. And my father had massive acre garden out there. And I just grew up as a kid in the garden. When I went to college, um, I got to go to Tahlequah. So, but there's a small college there. I finished up college and I got to go work at the fruit market again during college time. So that was a lot of fun for me. I loved it. The fruit market's no longer there. The land has been bought and purchased. But so I've grown up around the farming and just gardening. Always we had help friends bell hay, break horses, cut nuts and horns off of you know cattle. So it's always been around land. <clears throat> now I had no back as a kid. I had no idea about organic farming. It's zero. It was just you know, just growing food and, and trees and crops and things like that. But, um, when I started growing cannabis, it was illegal in Oklahoma when I was growing it, when I started growing it, but I used to gorilla grow out here in the woods by my house, right along, a, right along the Arkansas river. And, um, I used, uh, river water and miracle grow. That's what I started trying to grow cannabis with. And, um, as a few years went past, uh, and and cannabis came legal in 2018 in Oklahoma, I started with Fox Farm, like everybody else did, because I, I thought that's how you're supposed to grow cannabis. Like I thought, oh, you have to use all these nutrients, you have to follow this NPK system, you know, and all these different measurements you have to follow, <clears throat> and it was difficult for me. I didn't like it. I don't like math. I don't like measuring. I definitely don't like fractions or anything like that. 
it's too much for my brain. So I, I got into where I was just, I got to, um, a friend got me into recharge from, you know, the new grow show who had started listening to podcasts and he ordered some and we tried it on his plants and man, they just started booming. And it was like, Whoa, what is this stuff? And that got me into organics. So using recharge. And I started realizing, oh, okay, these are microbes. So started looking into microbiology, and then KNF, of course, pops up online. And started looking into the KNF stuff. Started looking into composting, um, and then I found Judam in KNF studies, and I was like, oh, this sounds way more my style. It's it's way less measurements, you know, hardly any measurements really, and it's just some simple, basic things that are very beneficial and it, it's all for me it was kind of a little more lazy maybe it's not it's not as detailed as knf is and it just fit me better i like to you know just it, it's my backyard and my my fields that i got to work with and so jadam kind of worked with me better and and my my system likes jadam you know what i'm saying my plants my garden it seems to really go well so I, i'm in i'm in this jadam spot right now that uh, I really like. A lot of composting, a lot of JLF, JMS. That's kind of what I do. It's awesome, man. Yeah, there, there's no denying the the efficacy of the Jadam methods. And, you know, I agree with you. The, the simplicity of the system is really admirable. Um, the cost effectiveness, especially, you know, um, that's really cool, man. So you, you've kind of grown up around around farms and, you know, just kind of working with the land and animals and everything growing up so man, i guess that might kind of be pre-instilled in you to a certain degree more than uh, the average person so that's pretty cool would you say that um at this point you're you mostly self-taught or learning through trial and error or what, what's that process looked for you getting to where you are now yeah that's um it's youtube university and trial and error um i were i once i started realizing like there's somebody's going to show you what you need to know on YouTube so eventually you know i just started i just started looking at everything you could find on YouTube just like anybody else who has passion for cannabis or microbiology or soil if you have a passion for it you just start eating it up and it just doesn't quit and it doesn't leave you and you want more and more and more and so just watching all the YouTube videos like you said Chris Trump was one was one of the guys that i was that I, was told to go somebody i don't remember a long time ago but they're like do you gotta watch chris trump and so i started watch i'm sure i watched every one of his videos that he's put out and um a lot of the jadam videos master chose stuff i mean a lot of the guys on instagram I, i'm watching and from from you know all kinds of uh marco's growing uh consciously rooted as some guys there's some other guys that just do stuff and i'm like oh cool that's really neat you know I, there's often there's simple things that you would think somebody like i should know and i don't because i don't do it i don't use it you know there's some things that i don't know how to make i've never made some certain things before i've never made ocean before i've always traded or bartered for it because it takes a dang long to make it's so involved right i already know i'm gonna mess it up the first time i do it so I'd rather just barter for some somebody I trust. But so YouTube, watching people, learning, and then just implementing it. You're not being afraid to try. Not really being afraid to totally mess it up. And the one thing with Jadam is if you if you quote unquote mess something up, 
It's really not a mistake. It's perfect for your JLF. It's perfect for your compost. It fits right in the system. Your mistakes do. You know, even if it is no, no mistake or mistake, it, it all seems to work because Mother Nature does what she does. So watching YouTube, all the Instagram guys, lots of trial and error, but then making, like I said, making Jadam work for me. Not me working for Jadam, really. Like, I'm taking the gold out of KNF and out of Jadam. I'm looking at what are the very best things that really fit well with, with, with just my personality, with my gardening style, with, with, uh, the, with the environment that I have here. Taking what works for me, implementing it, and in the application of those things, watching it, watching my plants flourish, watching good fruits come off my plants, you know, and, and so just keeping those things that really work, and if they're too hard for me or if they don't work well, I kind of, you know, don't use it. I don't do it very much. I don't. I, li- I like your approach, and, you know, I've, I've done something similar coming um, through my learning experience, you know, taking bits and pieces of things that work for me, and, you know, there's some things that don't. And, yeah, that's, that's really cool. And you mentioned a lot of things that, you know, I do like about Shaddam. Um, you, you know, not being afraid to try is crucial on, you know, anything in life, in my opinion. But that's one of those ones, like you said, like you really can't mess up. <laughs> there's there's a use for something pretty much no matter what. And um, like you said, just just go try it. Um, so what what would you consider the the one thing that happened along the way of you know, learning this stuff or applying and observing the results that just was like smacking you in the face, like, oh, wow, wow, this is, this really works. This is really cool. You know, what, what was that moment for you? (laughs) That's a good question. There's been, there's, there's many, Uh, like, so the very first thing, two things, okay, that I I need to say, uh, making, um, tea, making a tea for the first time, a, a brewed tea, and then gathering IMO one for the first time. The first time I made a, a tea was with recharge. Like, I, like a guy, this, I saw somebody brewing up compost tea, you know, and I was like, oh, dude, so you have to have a bubbler. You have to have some type of water, I'm sure. It must be some certain kind of water, you know. And I'm just, I just remember thinking, okay, I think I can do this. This, this doesn't look that hard. You know, and now it's like I just use tap water and I'll stick, I might stick a bubble or I might not because you don't really have to. You know, you want to mix it up, that's fine. Dump it on immediately, go for it. You know, you can add microbiology by bubbling. But I do remember watching that big old because fr- I used to make beer, right? I used to be a beer maker, whiskey, wines. I made all kinds of stuff and I have a problem with alcohol. I don't drink anymore, so I don't make beer. I don't do anything. But that compost tea bucket, you know, it looked like a big old frothy head of, head of beer. And if you added a little molasses or grokashi, the dang thing smelled like beer, even, you know, it smelled like a weak beer. And I was like, this is amazing. I was brewing beer this whole time using yeast and sugars and not understanding, not understanding like the value of the microbiology and what it's doing. Right. And it's just like, add the yeast, add the sugar, and that makes the alcohol. And that was as far as I went, really, I think, mentally or even philosophically into into making beer. But seeing that big foamy head the next morning, 
I was like, what the heck just happened? You know, like, why does it foam? Why can you use the foam? Is it a good thing to use the sludge? You know, and that was a whole argument I found online. People say use it, people say don't. But I just remember that that moment opened me up to uh, wondering, you know, the, the inquiring mind. Like, it never left me. And then when I was like, then when I started making the IMO one, I, I went out to a, I went out to a big bamboo grow that's by my house uh, here out in the woods, and it's massive. It's like a five acre all bamboo, and these things are the bamboo will grow taller than the oak trees around it. It's so amazing. And I was told to take IMO from bamboo root, and so I put some IMO inside a pantyhose, and I dug it about a foot underground by all these roots of bamboo. And I went back, you know, a week later and pulled it out. And it's just a white, globby, gooey junk with some different colors in it. It smelled like mushrooms. And I brought it back. And I was just like, is this really going, like, is this what it's supposed to be? Because it's just, you know, you look at something like that and you're like, yeah, this isn't right. Something's wrong. Something went real wrong because it smells like a foot. It smells like a mushroom. I don't want to touch it. But whenever I made that IMO2, and then I made some tea with it, with the IMO2, and dumped it on some wood chips or something, or some hay or fowl, I can't remember what it was. Just seeing the blooms start to happen, you know, even a day later on the substrate that the IMO2 tea was poured on, I was just like, again, this is something, something's going on. Like, why is it blooming? Or, are these good? Is it bad? You know, and again, it just hit the inquisitive button in my mind. And it was just like, okay, you've got to find out everything you possibly can. Don't sleep until you find out, you know, and that hunger and passion takes over. And the, 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 when, when you hit, like, like, I think why you're asking the question is because when you hit stages like that, you go leaps and bounds forward. If you find something that is intriguing to you and it's like, Oh, I've never thought about this. And it almost gives you a tingly, tickly feel, you know, it's, that is, that is passion inside of you that just got latched on and is getting pulled out of you by whatever you were, you know, you're studying and you move forward as a person and as a grower, as a lot of different things, you move forward so far in life when you hit those areas of passion, of want of knowledge. And so, yeah, I can remember the compost tea and the IMO one. Very cool story, man. That's really cool. Uh, so, you you had mentioned, you know, how you used to brew beer and all that good stuff. And you saw some similarities maybe between um, these organic methods and what you were doing with that. And that's something that I've noticed along the way, too, is just how many similarities and how many cross connections can be made between what we're learning in this realm and, you know, just everyday aspects of life. And in a lot of ways for me personally, um, you know, my life has changed because of the knowledge gained and the, the outlook that, um, you know, I've gained over the time. So what, what are some things or maybe just one thing even that, you know, outside of gardening and, you know, um, composting and all of that, as far as like your personal life is concerned, what would you say, how would you say these methods and natural farming and just the exposure in general has affected your life? Yeah. <clears throat> I can, I can make an analogy to almost any area of life using organics. I feel like I can anyway. When I talk with people, when I chat with people, and I really am about trying to, you know, when I talk to somebody, I want to know how you're doing first. How's your family? And then I want to know what you do as a person, you know, what's your job. Then we can talk about organics. But going into microbiology, if you allow it, 
if you allow organics and understanding how microbiology works, understanding how the whole system of nature has been put together and how it operates with or without you, first of all, there's a, again, if you allow it, there's a very emotional movement of, of humbleness, gratitude, thankfulness, whatever, whatever the word best to use, you know, is, but gratitude because I'm relying on something else to give me the end product that I want. There's no matter, no matter what I do, I, I can help the process out or I can stay out of the process. No matter, I'm going to get rewarded if I, if I apply myself to these processes. I'm going to get rewarded with good food or with good medicine. <clears throat> so being thankful to something that you have zero part of is a good thing to be like. It's a good thing to understand that I can put all the food in my compost bin and then turn it once or turn it none or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. In eight months, I'm going to have compost. And it's like, I didn't have to ask for it. I just had to put it in the bin. It's going to happen for you. It's like a freaking gift if you wait for it. And so the idea of just thankfulness, of gratitude, that other people do stuff for you too. It's not just microbes. Your parents did a lot for you. Your siblings probably did a lot for you if you have them. There are friends around you that have done a lot for you. You might not even notice it. But understanding this understanding this that that when you grow and when you're making your own soils and stuff it's micro it's microbes that's doing all the work for you be thankful um in life people do things for you be thankful you know other people are working hard for you to be successful be thankful for those things so that you know just there's like i said i could go on but go ahead ask another question no, I mean, we can go as long as you want to. This is the part of things that really uh, I like to dig into personally. And it, you know, inspires me and is interesting to hear from other people because it, one of the first things you said in that answer was how you feel like you could apply um, like organic methods into pretty much uh, anything in life. And I've said something similar in the past. It's, uh, you know, I, I, like I can find some sort of reference or analogy to, um, you know, how IMO works, how microorganisms in the soil work and how that same concept is really fluid throughout the rest of the, the universe, basically on any level, if you, you really stand back and look and, you know, like you said, be thankful and there, there's, there's love all around and community and connections. And as long as the intentions behind everything are good, then that's how nature works, right? Like everything is the intentions are to progress and to do better and to, you know, kind of uh, outcompete any sort of bad. So there's there's a lot to that for sure. And um, yeah, I think you, your response was um, it's inspiring and insightful. And we don't have to stop there, but if you want to, we definitely can. Um, I do know uh, Creature in the chat, he wanted to know how you pronounce your name or your username. I pronounce it OK Calix. OK, OK Calix. Like some people thought it was Oklahoma City Alex <laughs> when I first started. They thought I was from Oklahoma City. My name was Alex. So it says OK Calix. Like I, it, you know, it's, in, it's uh, improperly referred to as the Calix. It's the Brack. But, you know, the Calix just kind of went well. My first name is Kevin. So it just kind of all stayed in the cuss sounds for me. You know what? Uh, 
uh, let me tell you something else. Back to um, learning about, and I'll answer any other questions, but this just came into my mind. Uh, when I went to the Cherokee National Holiday on Labor Day, it was in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. I went and listened to. Well, yeah, this is. I, I, I posted this. I went and listened to a a, a um, biologist. I can't remember what she is exactly, but she taught. Uh, she lectured about native foods, the importance of keeping air, the importance of keeping heirlooms, um, the destruction of of native soils and stuff like that. Ta- Tahlequah is the is the state is the capital of the Cherokee Nation. So that that's why it's a it's a it was all there and it's a big deal and I'm from Tahlequah and so we always go to this thing and it's I've heard a lecture. The part that stuck with me the most and the part that actually made me emotional, like after the lecture, I I left in tears. And um I'm trying to the, the name of the Cherokee story is the origin of uh, medicine and disease. And it's a really good story that you should go, you should go online and look it up. The Cherokee Nation's story of the origins of medicine and disease or something very close to that. Here's the story. Give me a moment to tell it. Um, as men and... As man and animal were living together on the planet, they used to live in harmony. And um, after a while, man starts to overpopulate a bit too much. And he starts to take too many animals. He starts to kill in waste. And he starts to not be thankful when he takes, um, you know, when he takes the animals. And what happens is all the animals, they come together. And the bears are the leaders of the animal world. And the bears come together and say, how can we stop mankind from doing this? Because when he, when he kills me or when he kills my family, he'll shed my blood. And he won't say thank you. And after that, the deer, they come together. And the deer say the same thing. They say they're taking too many of us and they're not being thankful. And so after a long process of this council of animals, they all start to say, what we will do is give man diseases. And the deer will say something like, anytime, anytime he takes me or my family and my blood drops on the ground, if he does not say thank you to me, my spirit will follow him back to his home and I will give him diabetes or whatever it was that was named, you know, by the deer. And they have all these different diseases that animals will give man if they're not thankful, if they take too much, if they don't use it correctly, if they don't use it all. And this goes on for hundreds of years and mankind starts to get diseased up so much that the plants begin to notice because mankind took care of the plants. And the plants, they couldn't fight back, right? And the plants realized that if we take care of humans, they can keep taking care of us. And so the plants come together and they say, how can we help mankind? And what the Indians come up with is that Every plant has a medicine for us. 
Every plant is beneficial to mankind, but we have to figure out and ask the plant, what is it, so that we can know. And so that story made me cry. And I'm done. That's, I mean, that's really deep, man. Um, no doubt, I can only imagine being there and experiencing that in person in that situation, how, how moving and, um, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's no doubt that we have um, lost our, our respect and harmony with with uh, nature in general, you know, especially in the last couple, three generations. But um, on the flip side of that, I've what I've noticed, and I'd like to know what you what your thoughts are as well, um, is the, the progress that is being made as far as um, waking up to what is really going on and what it's going to take to get back to those those roots, if you will, um, you know, people are starting to recognize that, hey, what we've been doing is not good. And, you know, here's why and here's what we can do about it. And um, it's starting to spread like wildfire from what I'm seeing. You know, I just saw I was either yesterday or today, I think I posted it about the, the owner of Patagonia Company, how they are, you know, basically donating the entire company into um, restoration and regenerative um practices to help save the planet so and i think that just getting involved and understanding these processes even if you're not a farmer or a gardener anything just you know kind of understanding the principles is enough to start to awaken that um, inborn um, intuitive potential that you know we're all born with we're just stripped away from and the more that that happens the quicker that you know everything gets better and we start to learn how to to love and appreciate again as a whole, um, which we, we know the, the world could use a lot of that right now. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on where we are today and where you see it going in the future as far as um, agriculture and you know humanity involvement in that is concerned. The perspective I think I can give you that is legit at this moment is is my working with just local people on Instagram uh, here in my hometown that people, when people see this system of natural farming, they think it's really neat. And I think that immediately they feel appreciative of the fact that, wow, this is really organic and healthy. Don't know anything about it, but wow, it's really neat. Um, there's definitely an openness to want to learn and maybe moreover, there's a, there's a want and a willingness to learn, not just, Oh, that's neat. I, I'd like to know more, but dang it. Show me how to do this. You know, for me, I feel a lot of urgency from people to want to learn it. And it's always comes down to financial reasons. You know, when in an existential manner, that money cannot just be constantly used on fertilizer. You know, I've got bills and a family. And so to be able to make these inputs and these fertilizers using nature and saving all your money to pay for whatever you need to pay in this economic and political climate is a godsend to a lot of people. Definitely to farmers. Definitely to farmers. If we're having... For if we're if we're seriously having fertilizer shortages coming our way, and we're going to have, you know, food supplies that are going to be issues, 
understanding that you don't need a grocery store and you don't need the government to, to feed yourself, that you communities can help each other, neighbors can grow certain foods and share. You know, this is a huge deal. I think a lot of people feel a little bit of urgency of, I'm nervous. What's coming? You know, am I going to have food and all that? And the, these methods that you teach on Discord, that I try to teach on Instagram, YouTube, these are going to save people's futures. And that I'm, that's a big editorial, and I'm not trying to be use hyperbole or anything. But let me put it to you in this sense. I've got five kids. I've got, you know, multiple phones we got to pay for, a couple cars. I run a small business. I'm, all, I'm, I'm loving doing natural farming stuff. Um, <clears throat> if I don't have the money to grow my own cannabis medicine, I'm going to be a hot mess. I struggle with high anxiety. I, have, I used to be in clinical depression. I was a hot freaking mess. I was a, basically a drunk, and I took a whole lot of painkillers just to be numb to reality. Cannabis got me into a place where I didn't blow my head off. And I'm dead serious. On August 26, 2016, I cold turkeyed alcohol, cold turkeyed any kind of anxiety pill, any kind of painkiller, muscle relaxer. I stopped everything. It was the worst decision in the world because I tanked into even worse depression because you can't just do that. Um, it took me almost a year and a half, maybe two years to go through cognitive behavioral therapy, counseling, just, uh, I, again, I'd stayed off cold turkey, off everything and only used cannabis. And there was a few times that I've done some mushrooms just to break through things, you know. Um, but if I have to spend all my money uh, buying fertilizer and paying bills, guess which one I don't pay for? fertilizer i gotta pay my bills and if i'm relying on store-bought fertilizer i'm not going to have cannabis that i'm going to grow my own medicine for right i'm going to be going back to stores and trying to buy freaking medicine from dispensaries it's in that sense that this stuff is important like i had i have to have cannabis i that ain't no joke you i better have me some cannabis by about noon or my gut starts to hurt i don't i start having anxiety i don't feel good Cannabis balances me out, allows me to be a, a father, number one, to my kids, who is a good father and a good husband to my wife and a good community business owner that I really try to participate in the lives of others. Cannabis allows me to do that. So, yes, it's a big freaking deal that I don't spend my money on fertilizers, but that I spend it on bills and I make my own fertilizers for free because I don't want to go back into any of that nasty life. So again, not trying to use the hyperbole like this is really urgent and important. For me, it is urgent and important. I have to make this stuff myself. I don't have the I don't have the money to be spending on just fantastic lights and great fertilizers and all these cool grow bags. I don't have that money. So for me, it's important that I make these fertilizers and I think that other people around me start to feel that importance as I start sharing it with them. And I think you would probably agree that once you start talking more about this stuff, people are like, oh, wow, I could use this. So. Yeah, you know, people don't know what they don't know. But uh, first and foremost, man, I just want to give you like mad props and, you know, so much love and respect for um, being able to push through and come out the other side of all of that. That's, uh, you know, that's that story hits home on a personal level for me. And, uh, uh, you know, good for you, man. Um, and then, yeah, so you mentioned 
you 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 almost have to um, use these methods in order to continue living a normal life, right? And you, there's also that aspect of the fertilizer shortages and all of the agricultural disrupts that are um, either happening or going to inevitably happen uh, soon. Um, I think personally that it it will get to the point where, you know, it's almost an absolute necessity in order for us to even have food to eat. And that's, uh, that's on some, some, some real shit, you know, um, we get to the point where, you know, what is it? 90, 95% of the food that is in grocery stores is conventionally farm on these large scale operations. Well, farmers can't afford to farm anymore. Then what are we going to eat? You know, there, there's, there's two ends to that. Um, if we don't make a change and either one of them are good. So, yeah, absolutely. And again, it's awakening, awakening that, that inborn intuition, knowing that what we need is all around us. It's just a matter of tuning in. You know, we, we've been kind of stripped away from that for so long that we, we don't see the value in what's all around us. Our values have shifted into things that really don't have value. Um, so yeah, man, <laughs> I'm I'm definitely on the same page with you there on that. Um, we did have a a question over here for you. Um, want to know what what you're most proud of learning within the past month or year? So we won't put a, a timeline on it. I don't guess. What's what's one thing you're most proud of learning? Good question. You have to let me jog my memory. I try a lot of junk. I try a lot of things. <laughs> Number one, I think, is a, what I feel is a successful. It's not soil, but it's breeding. Um, there's been a few of these blueberry strains that have come back to me that are unbelievably good. Like it is the best weed I have ever smoked, and I bred it for the reasons. You know, I wanted a heavy Kush blueberry and a super sweet blueberry, and those are my blueberry squealer and blueberry breasts. But anyway, right now, the flower that I'm getting back from commercial grows here and flowers I'm growing in my backyard are these blueberries, squealer, or blueberry squealer crosses that I've chosen. And I am extremely proud of them. They're really good. <laughs> Heck yeah. There's nothing like that experience. And I, I personally think that there's something to that whole, you know, I mean, let's look at it. Let's stand back and look at the bigger picture. It's you know, strains that, you know, you enjoy to begin with that started it all. You've, you've uh, gone into it with intentions to create something specifically for you. You've uh, curated all of your, your own natural inputs and microorganisms. You've grown it yourself, put the love into it, did the breeding, grown it out and made that selection. And it's like, that is all a, you know, that's part of you. You, you are uh, in harmony with what's happening there. I, you know, if you want to get into like the metaphysical side of things, I think there's something to that whole experience that they're, they're, will be nothing that you could buy that I, I think that could ever match to what you're describing. Yeah, definitely. The metaphysical side of doing these things, this goes, this goes back to one of your earlier questions, but the metaphysical side of, of breeding, again, there's a greater awareness of man, two people made really good strains that I just took and made a baby with, right? The, I, I'm, I'm a receiver of the, of two donors, two great breeders and, I got to make something that I think is maybe better than, than what mother and father is. And that's the goal of life, is it not? If you have kids or if you have a friend, if you have a close friend, 
Is it not your goal in life to make them better than you? And if it isn't, it should be. Right here on this, this Discord chat, we're all here. I'm giving all the knowledge I can so that somebody here is going to be better. And they're going to be better after they listen to me, and hopefully they become better than I am. For sure. That's not a, I'm not bragging. Please understand. I want you better than me. I, you know why? In the business world, A's hire A's, B's hire C's. I'm an A person. I am fully confident in my gym and my business. Now, I'm not confident in other businesses. Don't get me wrong. But in my realm, I am 100% confident. It's trial and error confidence. It's experience confidence. It's wisdom confidence. But that's what I'm trying to give you all that, you know, when we talk. I'm trying to give you my experience and wisdom, my common sense, so that you didn't have to go through the trial and errors. You're that much better, that much faster. And now, look, take off. Start learning some other stuff and teach me back. You know, if you allow them, if you see through them, if you import them into your life and try to apply them in a, uh, in your setting in life, if you try to apply organic methods, and what you learn from organic methods to your life, you will become a better person and you will want to make somebody else better than you. Amen. <laughs> Amen, brother. I like it. You, uh, that's, that's something else I say. It's like, I'm, I'm here to provide what I wish I would have had along the way that would have eliminated a lot of frustration and a lot of, you know, just time and trial and error to get me to the point that I am now. It's like, hey, I've done that hard work for you and the bigger picture is more important to me than any of this other silly stuff. So here's what I know. Let's do something with it. You know what I mean? And it sounds like you're, you have a similar mindset and I, I appreciate that. Um, so Finca, uh, Joel, he is down in Panama, just below Costa Rica, farming in a jungle. And, you know, that's, uh, they're doing all kinds of cool stuff with, with KNF down there. They've been implementing a lot of, uh, JMS into some situations as well. Um, he is not a cannabis grower, but he is, so he is curious, um, what are some sex successes you've seen with natural farming that are not cannabis related? What, what else have you, do you have experience with, or do you have going on that, uh, you're, you're having success with? Yeah. Ah, uh, really good question because these these practices are not intended for just cannabis whatsoever. They're intended for vegetation. I'm sure of all types, and you know, I can only go. I can really only tell you what zone A is like in America. Think about Panama or what it's like. I can imagine. I'm not an idiot, you know. But my my experience is from my experience is from my yard, my farms, whatever, whatever we're doing. Um, I have seen. I have, we're about to do another test this fall on a hayfield, but I have seen um, clay dirt that doesn't want to hold water, has a small layer of topsoil. I have seen the application of compost, JLF and JMS over a two-year period, turn it into very growable soil. So it, the methods work. Again, it, you are, you're applying Mother Nature to Mother Nature. You're, it's like giving a horse a steroid shot. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, Mother Nature, I'm going to work with you, and I got some really good stuff you made, <laughs> and we're going to use it. And it's just be it's benefiting Mother Nature constantly. You know, you're just doubling up on Mother Nature. It makes sense that it works. But, yeah, yeah. Well, the one thing about doing the IMOs, the JMS and JLF, is it will turn some crappy dirt 
into workable soil. You got to keep working it, keep adding organic materials and stuff like that. But that's the point. So yeah, I've seen good stuff. Oh yeah, what I was going to say is this fall, the guy who just called me actually, John Kennedy from Kennedy Farms. Um, he uh, he and he might be calling me again, so I might get interrupted again by him. But we're going to his hayfields. He goes to he goes to my church. He saw my Instagram one time. He said something like, "Hey man." Kimberly, I saw your Instagram. I didn't even know you did this stuff, but I don't know if we can afford. I don't know if my family can afford the fertilizers this year to do our hayfields because they make money on hayfields. They make five thousand dollars a year per hayfield. They've got multiple hayfields out there, and they but they've got they've got to spend. Uh, oh, John, okay. I think John Candy's listening. He just texted me. So he said, "We're gonna need, you know." We, can we do something different than buy fertilizer? And I'm like, yeah, JLF, let's do it. And so what he has got going on is um, probably 15, maybe 20 massive buckets, uh, probably 40-gallon buckets of straight-up cow manure with pond water and micro or leaf mold from that farm. So it's a completely closed-loop system about to happen because we're going to be straining all that out. We're going to be adding a lot of EM1 to it all kinds of things, and all that's going to get sprayed onto his hay fields instead of bought fertilizer. And so this is going to be a legit test on a big field. Like, if we can get grass to grow, you know, if we can get actual bale gra- baling grasses, you know, there's, there's out in fields, it's not like you just go and bale a field and say, here, cows. You don't want to bale up a bunch of, you know, um, like weeds or vines or cow. What's there's some, there's a poisonous plant. Um, what did Socrates drink? Hemlock. There's a wild hemlock that grows out here in Oklahoma. And so you don't want to be feeding your cattle hemlock. So when you're doing, when you're doing hay fields, um, ever done? when you're doing hay fields, the idea is grass has what grass needs. So the best thing is a grass eating manure or a, a, a grass eating animals manure. And of course he has a ton of cows out there. And so we just took a bunch of manure. He did it all the work, actually. He took a bunch of manure and um, added the pond water, the microbes. It's been sitting there for probably two months, three months. I don't know, but it's going to be applied. What he has will be applied in the spring. His mother, believe it or not, has made a bunch of JLFs. She's part of it. She's made a bunch of JLFs on her land, and it will be used in the fall, the, this coming fall. And so we're just seeing if we can get actual good grasses that have some nutrition in them and not a bunch of weeds or poisonous stuff or small shrubs that want to come up first and, you know, make a little cover. And then the, the good grass can't grow up around it. So it's going to be a test. Of, does JMS, JLF, does it help with, does it benefit good grasses to grow first? And I think if you read the Jadam book and a lot of literature, it will say, yes, it does. And, but it's an application of, of over two or three years also for there to be really evident results to be seen. So it takes work, but work is free, but it takes work to do all of this stuff. And it, it'll be exciting to see what happens. We'll be documenting it also. Heck yeah, I'll be tuned in watching that one. That sounds like a really fun project and it's really cool of you to you know step in and offer your your wisdom and assistance in that that'll be really cool i've seen you know imo and jms do some pretty uh, remarkable things in similar situations you know um in a quick amount of time um quick turnarounds 
it's it's pretty miraculous, truly, regardless of, uh, you know, if you're doing IMO4 or JMS or however, whatever your approach is. Um, again, we're all shooting at the same target, but, you know, very effective. Um, so, Brandon, you know, a lot of us here, most of us here that are, you know, kind of already in this Discord are at least familiar with what natural farming is, what the different inputs are, at least most of them. But for those that, you know, maybe in here that aren't as familiar, if you had to explain what a JLF is in your own words, like someone new, how would you explain that? How would I explain what is JLF without just saying what JLF is, right? I would tell yep. them... This is a big bucket of stinky fertilizer. Don't get your finger in it, first of all. But I think the explanation would be, listen, I'm taking my leftovers from my table that my kids and I don't eat. I'm putting it in a bucket, adding some water, and I'm putting a cap on it, letting it sit there. And when I grow my food, I will use that as fertilizer. And they're going to be like, well, how does that work? How does the process happen? What do you mean you can use it? Does it get stinky? Does it, is it good to use immediately? How long do you have to wait? You know what I'm saying? All those same questions that every single person asks starts to come up. But that's my explanation. Right on. I think it's a good one. And I would have to agree. Do not uh, get it on you if <laughs> avoidable at all. Man, I made a JLF bucket some uh, a few years ago, it was uh, mostly comfrey and I think some like squash really? vegetation. Yeah, right. And it sat in this bucket for two years. Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we, um, I opened it up one day. Just I'd never really even used it. I'd never really done it. It was my first JLF. And uh, I scooped some out to, to use one time to trial it on a small hemp plot I was growing. And I got some on my shoes or something, I guess, my boots. And for the rest of the day, like I just smell, it was like cow shit. You know, I could, I washed everything. I changed. It's like once it gets in your skin, it's soaked in there. And that's, that's, that's your perfume today. Let me tell you something disgusting. And this is way too much information, but somebody out there might relate to me. When I used to make compost teas and I would stick my hand in there to stir stuff up a day later, when I would go use the bathroom number two, I could smell I could smell microbes. Whenever I mix JLF up, if my hand gets in it too much, it goes through my system and you can smell it in the in the out stuff. And it's unreal. It's potent, but it's those microbes. It just shows how when you touch that junk, it's full of microbes. But not only that, those microbes went into me, right? They went inside of my body. And if that doesn't show a connection to nature, I don't know what does. But it, it's just mind-blowing that it comes out in your sense. Like, you probably can even sweat it out and smell it. But I know going to the bathroom, it's, it comes out if you touch it. That's super interesting. I have not heard that before. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say to that one. I wouldn't call it TMI, but that's really, yeah, that's a new one for me. New knowledge. Um, yeah. Now I will, I have a theory about microbes entering our, our body, but it's a little bit different, but I, I think you might actually even resonate with it a little bit. So I'm going to tell that real quick and I'm curious to see what you think. So, you know, we, we talked about how kind of getting involved in these natural farming practices, you know, getting your hands dirty in actual soil, learning how plants work and all that good stuff, how it just kind of enhances your well-being, your quality of life, your, your understanding and outlook as a whole. Well, I was, um, I was building an IMO3 pile one day, you know, I was by myself doing this one and I had my hands in it mixing up 
initially. And, I, and my brain's just, you know, thinking about it. And I was like, wait a minute. You know, we, we, we know how, you know, psilocybin mushrooms and all that stuff can affect us on a neurological level and how it can help us with, you know, the anxiety and depression and all that good stuff. I'm like, you know what, how people talk about, you know, walking barefoot on soil and, you know, kids that play in the dirt grow up healthier and happier and everything. I'm like, I wonder, like when we're, we're building IMO piles or we're, you know, you know, playing with JMS or our, our living soil, if there are actual, you know, like fungi in those situations that we could technically be like micro dosing to a certain extent. It's either getting into our body or we're breathing it in, it's coming in through our mouth and they're having a similar effect on our, our minds, our body as it would, as we, if we were to intentionally take something like, you know, a psychedelic mushroom. Um, what do you think about that? Listen to that question. When you walk barefoot in the soil that you definitely cross contaminate, you know what I'm saying? And it gets into you. There's just no question about it. You know, um, Jeff Wolfell's new book coming out, Teaming with Bacteria, he's got a picture in it of the head of a pin and all the bacteria on the head of a, of a needle, a pin needle. And they're loaded. It's just unbelievable how many are on the head of a pin. So, yeah, the cross-contamination stuff, we're putting microbes in soil and soil and microbes are coming off the soil onto us. And benefiting from it, yes, we came from it. You know what I'm saying? We came from this stuff. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe in God and all that good stuff. I live my life with full confidence how I want to. But God made this stuff, however you want to call it, or if you don't believe he made it, whatever, go with me. God made this stuff. He made us out of this stuff. He made cannabis out of this stuff. And I mean dirt and clay and all that junk. You know, Life was formed out of this stuff. There's a there's intent. There's a reason behind it. There's harmony that can clearly be seen in nature among itself, and harmony can be given from me to nature, and I can receive harmony back from nature. I sound like a hippie, but it's not like that. I, I have I went to I went to school. You know, I've got my doctorate. I love. I could be doing a lot of other things. I like teaching tumbling to kids because I see them grow, and I see passion, and I see smiles, and I see laughter and fun, and that makes me happy. That gives me peace. That takes away my anxiety and depression. I live for it. There's another passion in my life, organic stuff. I love it. I love to try to be super harmonious with nature. I still eat food that has plastic wrapped around it. I'm wearing clothing. You know what I'm saying? My wife shaves. We still live in this normal world. But I am super duper happy doing what I do. And it, my wife kind of doesn't enjoy it. And we have our differences. It's stinky. That's not reason she doesn't like it. It's stinky. We all know that. But there is that little difference between me and my wife sometimes. Of like, oh my gosh, she just watered you and it smells so bad. I know. Give it a minute. It'll go away. But nonetheless, that it is a passion for me that just I can't stop. Um, I forgot the question you asked me, Blue. What was it? <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. Like your your response is beautiful, and I I resonate with that a lot. And I, I really think it's awesome how you you've you've turned what this is into what it is for you. And that's one of the main things that I get enjoyment out of that fuels my passion behind all of this is watching other people have those same just 
you know, life-changing aha moments, whether it's one little detail about, you know, the the construction of a, a ferment or something, or just, you know, getting a grasp of what IMO is and how that works. And um, just there, there, it's inevitable. Someone that is also getting interested then goes down the rabbit hole of all of this. They're going to be impacted in some sort of similar way that, you know, applies to their life. And it's such a beautiful thing, just watching that happen and watch how they progress as a person and their life progresses after that point. Like, yeah, this stuff is really awesome. It can grow really healthy plants. It can literally save the world. But just aside from that, on a personal level, if you are one of those people that, you know, doesn't want to live around anybody, you're up in the mountains alone. Like there's something in this for you even that could, you know, make you feel better. So that's really awesome. And I like it a lot. So Neverwinter Farms wants to know which rocking member invited you here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's going to be a tough one because Instagrams and discord names are different and mailing names are different. I get everybody so confused, dude. I can't believe I even found you, but maybe, maybe his Instagram starts with an E P I can't remember, or it was never winter farms. Right on. I have a feeling it was never winter farms and he just wanted a shout out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shout out. Never winter. That guy. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so when, serious? I, when I first got on Instagram, okay. When I first got on Instagram, um, it was, it had been a couple months. I don't remember how long it'd been. Anyway, I just remember a guy saying, hey, you, do you, uh, he's like, nice stuff. Do you grow other things besides cannabis? I was like, oh, yeah, I grow anything I can. I like it. I have these seeds, blah, blah, blah. And not knowing he was about to send me a freaking basket full of all variety of things. And uh, I was like, are you kidding me? Who is this guy? That is awesome. And, that, yeah, that was uh, Neverwinter Farms. It's freaking awesome. I think good thoughts. I think good thoughts when I hear Neverwinter Farms. For sure. Shout out Neverwinter Farms. That man has um, blessed a lot of folks and communities with those big boxes of seeds. And uh, he's got a solid mission in him himself and been a blessing to our community here as well as many others. It's, uh, that's one cool thing about here specifically is the, the actual sense of community and people lending hands and sharing and um, there, there's not so much ego and just, uh, capitalistic approaches to everything like you might find somewhere else. So shout out to Neverwinter Farms and all the community and now, okay, Calix for, uh, you know, joining us this Friday and sharing his wisdom and experiences with us. Um, okay. So, you know what, there, I could sit here and ask you questions about natural farming, nerdy stuff all day long. Uh-huh. Why, don't, why don't you just, um, what have you got going on right now? What are you most excited about right now? Um, what are some discoveries you've made, new things you're implementing, et cetera, et cetera. Just tell me, tell me about uh, Kevin right now. This year, what I did was, I think a lot of people see him on Instagram, they're like, man, he's been doing this for 2,000 years. I'm like, no, not at all. I mean, cannabis just came legal in 2018 in Oklahoma, so it's not like I have all kinds of time under me. that I, I don't have long-distance time. I have, like, like, I don't sleep much. I might sleep two to four hours a night. So I'm always doing stuff. I'm always putting stuff out. I'm always reading, listening to things. But this year, what I did was, this is the very first year that I grew with, or I am growing still, with just Jadam and JMS. I didn't use anything 
in my garden except those two things. In my cannabis beds, I didn't use anything up until three weeks ago when I had to use BT to kill caterpillars because it just got ridiculous, man. JMS wasn't helping anymore. But uh, I so, so thus far, it's been JMS. And, and the big deal is no one can tell you the ratios on JLF. Yes, you can read the Jadam book, but your JLF is not what they made. Your JLF is different. You've got to figure out what your JLF is going to do to your plants. You've got to figure out what materials you put in, how they benefit, do they benefit, how much do you need to use? How long does it take for that JLF with those plants that you use and fruits and vegetables, how long does it take to become potent enough to use? It's an art form. And what I wanted to do this year was just get lost in JLF and just say, man, if I screw it up, I screw it up. But I got to learn somehow. Like, I really want to know. And I want to know from experience. And so all my outgrowing is still, it's all JLF. And it's me trying to figure out, okay, am I watering enough? Do my plants look good? Am I seeing deficiencies? Am I seeing any kind of bad bugs or pests? Are they weak? Are they healthy? When is a good time to water in JLF? Not only for the plants, but also for my wife not to have to deal with it, right? That's an art form. It's a big deal. And it's something that if you want to get it, if you want to understand JLS and JMS, you got to drop everything else. If you want to understand it, Dom, you drop everything else. And I mean nutrients. I mean what you're feeding your plants. <clears throat> Once you have a two-month-old JLF, I say start using it because from my experience, it was working. Um, I was using a lot, but uh, it was working. And so my, what I did for myself, just as trial and error, right, just as a, as a, a life test, just see, can, can you do this and not give in to using nutrients because you see something going wrong and just let it die if it dies. And that was my, that's what I did. Went in with that mindset. And if you look back on my early Instagram posts this summer, I was dumping JLF on a tester. I was pouring straight two-month, three-month, four-month, five-month JLF, and six-month, I think, on a tester plant, and that tester plant looks gorgeous. So that, that's knowledge that I have from experience that I know I can do. I can pour my JLF two-months-old, four-months-old on my plants, established plants, not seedlings, but established plants, and they actually benefited from it. You know, I wouldn't have known that. I would have just, from the book, realized that, okay, I have to use it as a soil drench. Probably don't pour it on your plants because that's really not what you want to do with fertilizers. But that's the knowledge I gained from experimenting and just being ready to fail, expecting to, you know, expecting for something to go wrong, not in a dreadful anxiety, depressed way, but in the sense of if you want to learn, you got to fail, Kevin. So let there be a point of failure and move forward. And yes, I did lose a plant. I lost a, it's called Big Old Bluebies. It's a blueberry squealer F2 strain. And um, what happened was I dumped too much JLF uh, on my tester. And the, I'm sorry, I dumped too much JMS, too heavy of a strength of JMS as a, as a root drench onto the tester. It got too close to big old bluebies and smoked big old bluebies, but tester just fine. So see, that also tells me, okay, different strains are reacting different to these JMSs and these JLFs. This all comes from trial and error experience. And, and that's the junk I try to put online. Don't call it junk. That's not how you say that. I, that's the stuff. That's the videos, the teaching that I try to put online. So again, so that you don't have to go through it. But it's not. But again, it's not like just because you made a JLF and you waited two months and you dumped it on your plant, it might have burned it. You know, I'm just giving you my experience from what I can guarantee you is true. 
and you can definitely take that knowledge. But I, I went with just JLS, JMS, so that was really fun. I'm still doing it. Um, I, again, I had to use BT for caterpillars because in caterpillars, Oklahoma and Oklahoma caterpillars are crazy. So that's one thing with growing. One thing with making inputs and stuff like that, I started using alfalfa in everything. Alfalfa ignites stuff. You know, it's high in nitrogen and all that stuff. But it's a it's a it's a medium that attracts mycelium lightning fast. It creates heat lightning fast. It is something really good to have in your to have into myomo three to put in your compost. I started making these things called snowballs. That it's just stuff you make up. You know, like it's a handful of alfalfa. And you just dip your hand in JMS and get it drenched and then put it in the compost and let it sit there. And in two days, that thing is covered with mycelium clouds. And it's fantastic. And I'm talking, if you let it, if you set for maybe five days, if it sits there, it'll, it'll penetrate all the way through. You open it up and it's white all the way through. So, again, that was one thing I had not experimented with was a lot of alfalfa. I used alfalfa, but I didn't use strong amounts of alfalfa. <laughs> and I've used a lot of alfalfa this year. So, there you go. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love alfalfa. That's one of my um, one of my favorite um, plants to use for some of these inputs. Um, uh, I've made some like fermented plant extracts with alfalfa that were pretty Ooh. astronomical. Yeah, I did. A, it was actually a combination of comfrey and alfalfa, and that was just, I mean, incredibly awesome. Oh. Um, so. I've got I've got two more questions that I want to ask you, and I don't want to keep you too long. I know your family man got a lot of stuff going on, so you're good, man. You're good. I appreciate you. Um, so one of the things that I'm curious about is what has been something that has not gone well that you have learned from something that uh, like similar to what you explained about dumping the JMS and it uh, frying a plant. What is something that's happening? You're just like, Oh, well that's obviously not going to work um, in regards to like, you know, the Jadam inputs that you use. One thing it's not to the Jadam inputs, but it will be towards my composting. One thing I have learned and um, it ha- it's happened to me every time. I like to grow my plants in my com- I do. I grow my plants in my own compost. I don't, I don't mix anything. I grow in straight compost and because it's soil. That's what it is. Like it's co- You call it compost, and everybody might be like, well, you made it in that bucket, and it's from food and all that, so you got to call it compost. That's like compost. It looks and acts and smells and works just like soil. It's, it is beautiful soil that I, that I grow in from my compost bins now. If I get a seed wet and it cracks and I put it immediately into my compost, it will be eaten. Some small larva or something eats the, the cracked seed every time. Once the cracked seed gets a taproot, they leave it alone. I can, I can put a seed with a taproot in it, but if the seed is cracked, they, something goes in the seed and consumes it within, within hours after it's cracked. And I don't know what it is. I'm sure it's some kind of black soldier fly larva or something like that because they'll eat anything. Um, but that's one thing. You, I, can't crack, I can't pop seeds in my compost. They'll get eaten. Really interesting. I've, I've noticed something similar with um, really IMO heavy soils. Like if you were to plant seeds in some sort of soil and immediately put IMO4 on it, um, 
I've noticed what happens is that that IMO really starts to go to work within the soil and everything. It starts to, you know, break down all the different food sources that it has. And if you have a seed in there that is not established to make um, root connections with, then it will just literally consume that seed. It may look like it's going to sprout, but um, by the time it actually gets going, it's just, it's turned into food for microbes. Isn't Uh, that amazing? Like what I feel is going on, I have zero science to back this up, but like the feeling is those microbes know if, if it's got a root, let's help it. If it doesn't have a root, let's eat that sucker. You know, that's what it seems like. I they know agree. that stuff, you know, because bacteria are quorum forming. Yeah, they, they sense each other and they seem to know what to do as a group and once they attract to each other. That's some stuff that's in um, uh, Jeff Lonefell's new book coming out. Um, but microbes sense. They can sense. They can gather. They can do things. And anyway, it's awesome. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And on that uh, that teaming with bacteria, um, I think Brandon posted earlier today that is available for purchase now. Um, Yes, I got my pre-order in. Nice. I haven't ordered mine yet. I'll probably do that after we get off this live now that we talked about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very cool. Um, So my last question, um, and then, you know, whatever. But my last question is for everyone listening and for those that will listen to the recording, um, you know, most of them are going to be interested in organics, natural farming, et cetera, et cetera. What is one bit of advice or just general outlook um, that you could offer to anyone that's um, interested in this realm of things? You know, I think the, the the first thing I ever did that I felt like was an input was a lab, right? An LAB. <clears throat> and it was fun, easy. Um, but I think what I should have been pushed to, if you want to get into organics and you, if you want to actually grab the steering wheel and start to drive organics in a in a manner that goes down the road straight, Instead of a lot of trial and error, you know, like bumping into the corners and the curbs and smoking some trees, but then making it to the destination. If if you want to start organics, maybe to, maybe use the word correctly. If you want to start organics correctly, and that's a terrible word, but you can know what I'm saying. Um, start gathering IMO one. That's the workhorse. The IMOs are the workhorse. And and what it, what the thing is, you'll be happy that you have a lot of IMO one and IMO or a lot of IMO two made. You know, you'll have a bunch of jars of IMO two or a couple of jars of IMO two that you will have progressed your IMO one into by using some brown sugar. But you you won't really know what to do with it. But you're going to have it, and that is like having a freaking stick of dynamite to get ready to explode your organics. You know. Recharge isn't going to explode your organics. It's going to help. IMO is going to explode your organic. It's going to explode in the sense of it's going to take over your soil's health. It's going to take over your plant's health. It's going to benefit more than anything else is going to benefit. So I would start with your IMO, cook a little rice, get some rice, set it on the ground somewhere, don't let anything eat it. But within three to four days, it might look black, it might look green, purple, blue, it might be beautiful, cloudy, white, no matter what it looks like. Add equal weight brown sugar. However much that glob of rice weighs, grab that much amount of brown sugar, mix them up real good, put it in a jar. You have an organic stick of dynamite that you're about to play with, and it's going to create some awesome fireworks for you. So that's my advice. Boom. Just do it. Just do it. That's... uh... 
I usually offer similar advice. I know IMO tends to be the most daunting input to get to um, within KNF specifically when, you know, that's the most powerful input there is. You you know, if I had to pick one, obviously that's going to be what it is. So, yeah, it's like go ahead and just do it. Um, get familiar with it, practice it, and you will have the 80% of what, you know, natural farming is ready to go, like, like you said. So, good advice. I have man. questions. I have questions. Can I ask? Oh, absolutely. What's the difference between IMO5 and fermented compost? Ooh, that's a good question. So the what it comes down to is the process itself, I believe, more than anything. IMO5 is basically half and half IMO4 and a nitrogen source, such as, you know, raw manure. And what's beneficial about that is you can take like fresh cow or horse manure that would otherwise have to compost for a year or so before it's usable and make it completely usable in, you know, a week or two. Um, while retaining all of the uh, nitrogen and other nutritional value because it's we're not allowing it to heat up to thermophilic levels like um, a compost would. Whereas a fermented mixed compost, if you look in um, some of the like traditional literature, um, it has like a specific recipe that includes like fish bone wastes and, uh, you know, soybeans and all this stuff. But basically what it comes down to is like a regular compost with um, – like 10% IMO4 included in it and treating it like an IMO pile. Um, you get it inoculated in all of your organic, like if you've got amendments, like your alfalfa or something like that, you can basically make an IMO pile with that. And when it's all said and done, it's already kind of pre-digested enough to where when you apply it on top of the soil, you're going to get nutrient value, but you've also already began the process of breaking it down with the IMO4 that is in your soil to begin with, because you've already applied IMO4 to your soil. So you don't have to wait for that compost to completely break down. You don't have to worry about the same things that you do with standard compost. I see. Okay. <clears throat> I can't, I looked up online. First time I'd even heard of compost uh, in the Discord here, somebody write about it, wrote about it, but when I went to look online, zero, nothing that I could yeah. find anyway. Like no good explanation. Everybody just it basically comes up and fermenting the post is type of Bokashi stuff, you know. <clears throat> Yeah, there's not a lot of information online um, about it and, and several other aspects of natural farming uh, people have never even heard of. So that's been a big mission of mine on top of, you know, trying to learn everything in greatest details I can about what is known is uh, digging into what is not as known, uh, making contacts with people that have gone to Korea and, um, you know, taking classes directly under Master Cho, getting their notes and uh, having them share with me, you know, some of the, the nitty gritty tidbits that have been overlooked over the years and, you know, rough translations, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of a, just a learning process and several other people here are just as hungry um, as I am for some of this. So it's, it's been a group effort for sure. Gathering a lot of this info. Um, Joel down in uh, Panama, for instance, he's going through right now on uh, pure KNF Drake's YouTube channel. There's like hundreds of hours of master Cho's classes that he went to and recorded on video. And he's just posted. The problem is, you know, half of it's translated in different languages and you got to wait for the English translation. And like, if you're yeah. taking the time to sit down and watch every bit of it and like take notes of the good tidbits and like really awesome oh, wow. stuff. Yeah. They're going to, so, they're going to cliff note it basically. Basically, it's what I'm gathering, and it's a lot of cool stuff already. He posted a bunch today under the Master Cho section of this um, this server. Might be some interesting stuff in there for awesome. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Drake's 
I like all the stuff he posts. His show is so long. It's like, God, I got it. I wanted, I had to watch it like, you know, fast, twice the speed or something like that. Because <clears throat> the, the long shows are just my lifestyle just does not fit with that right now. But I, I, I was turned on a Drake less than a year ago. I, I, you know, I've never met him, but they're just great guys who, who like, who have a passion and will share knowledge, you know, and it's really fun to see those guys. Oh yeah. Yeah. Drake was one of the original handful of people that were there when Master Cho came to Hawaii for the first time and uh, introduced like natural farming directly to the United States. So he's got a lot of that original information and big part of, um, you know, spreading the word in Hawaii. And now he's, you know, making progress elsewhere, but there's a handful that are doing the good work, you know, such as Chris Trump, similar situation. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, he has a lot of good info, a lot of great videos. It's just presented in a way that uh, is not for the the average person to be able to sit through and get it yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. It's very specific. It's interest specific. You're not going to skip through YouTube and see a Drake video and be like, oh, I want to watch this. It's like, I'm looking for Drake. Where's the videos, you know? Right. Yeah, man. Um, well, do you have any other questions or anything? Sure. I'll tell I'm you what, those are the two ones I was wondering about. Well, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. And if you know, you're welcome to stick around for a few minutes after the show here, we'll probably kick it and chat yeah. for a bit. But um, before we wrap up, if you want to, you know, tell everyone again who you are, where they can find you, what, you know, anything you've got going on that might interest you people bet. and all that good stuff. You bet. So I'm on, on Instagram. I am at OK Calyx. And I have also OK Calyx Genetics. And uh, the OK Calyx is all Jadam and the natural farming. And then the OK Calyx is, is a blueberry series that I've been working on for about three or four years now. And I'm also on YouTube. It's OK Calyx on YouTube. I've been posting a few videos. I do more Instagram. I'm trying to get over into the media of YouTube. It's a different learning media. It's people, people want different things than Instagram. And I'm kind of understanding Instagram well. I'm trying to move over to YouTube. But uh, you can also email me at okcalyx at gmail.com. Um, I've made a nice turkey tail IMO3 that is just freaking phenomenally beautiful. I love it. I've just started sending some stuff out. I've got blueberry beans that are some good strains. I'm on genetics page. You can see a lot of the a lot of these blueberry crosses that have been grown out. I've actually just been smoking on one today, a blueberry breath number six. So okcalyx will find me if you type that in. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, man. Uh, once again, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come and hang out with us on one of these Friday chats. It's been very insightful and informative and uh, the vibe's been cool, man. It's it's an honor to have yeah. you here. I'm glad that we could link up and all that good stuff. So uh, once again, thank you. And to everyone that is listening, thank you. Um, looking forward to doing some more of these in the future. And uh, yeah, peace out. Peace out.